Welcome to another episode of Lockdown Women's Basketball. Next up in our team preview series, getting ready for the start of the season, we've got the Connecticut Sun and on the line to help us preview their season. I've got David Siegel. David, how are you feeling uh, looking at this from a Sun perspective as they get ready to go into this season? Hi, Ben. Thanks for having me, first of all. I, I, you know, it, it's, easy to, it's easy to make the comments early about the team sinking down a little bit after the Janae trade. But I think by the end of the year, people are going to be really impressed with the team that Kurt Miller has assembled. They are going to be a legit shot to advance far in the playoffs. I've I've been I've been kind of surprised at the reaction to the way their last two seasons ended because of course of course you have to say like you have to you have to get a higher seed to keep yourself out of single elimination because that's the format that exists, but. You know, at, at the same time, you can't. At, to some degree, it's like you can't. You can't look at losing to Diana Trossi and the Mercury twice in a row as this as this like massive failure. Um, so, you know, how have you kind of re- reacted to those two losses, and as they kind of try to g- gear up for this year to hopefully not be in that position to play single elimination again? Well, the the team itself, I know, has looked at it and sort of looked at the position of saying that it's on them for not finishing. In both of the games, each of the last two years, they were in it, and they had opportunities, but they didn't close. And especially last year, being at home, you know, they had a great opportunity there and didn't pull it out. So they are putting pressure on themselves to get by that. But to, to, you know, I agree, to your point, I agree, losing to Diana Taurasi and Brittany Griner in the playoffs is, you know, nothing to be ashamed of. And I think the interesting thing for the Sun was 2017, I think, is the one where it, it is fair to really say, like, you know, they really let that game get away from them. They got out to that big lead, and Tarasi just, you know, totally grabbed that game by the throat. And, you know, you can, of course, get into some of those calls that she got, but it was like, you know what? I'm just going to start drawing fouls and just totally take the air out of this game. Um, but I think that makes an interesting way to kind of go into talking about this Sun team because we're going to see much more of the 2017 version than what we saw last season because of the um, the Chinea Agumike trade. And before getting into that and kind of their front court, just I think a story of this season is going to be their continuity because I think they might be the in the best position looking around the league with some of the injuries that are going on to really hit the ground running. And that and I think that's like the biggest factor to help you get a top two seed is just to get off to a great start. What do you kind of make of that? Well, then they're going to have to, because I was looking at the schedule, and eight of their first ten games are against playoff teams, and one of those other two is Vegas. So they're going to have a difficult schedule to get started, and that continuity is going to be huge. You know, they're going to have to get everybody back on the same page with J.J., you know, John Quell Jones, as the focal point at the center position instead of having Janae in there, mixing things in. Bree Jones is going to have to step in as along with some of the others, but you're absolutely right. Having had Lacia Clarendon there for 15 games last year, Tuck for a couple of seasons, you know, all of these things are going to add up to the continuity that you mentioned, plus the return of all the coaches. You know, then uh, all the coaches are that are there have been there, even though Steve Smith, of course, left. You know, that's all going to help 
get this team off to a, what they hope is a fast start. And they start right with Washington. So, yeah, they're going to have to start real fast. Yeah, and it, it's just like, I mean, I, I don't want to belabor the point to run through the standings, but, I mean, you really, I think you really have to stop and look at the fact that, like, I mean, you can just run through these teams. Atlanta, they don't have Angel McCautry right away. Chicago, we're going to see how, how they're able to do with the new coach and, and some new personnel. You know, Dallas, we'll see what they're able to do from the start. Obviously, a lot of new pieces for them. Vegas has their integrating Cam Beige. The Sparks have a few weeks without Candace Parker. You know, no Tarasi for a while, no Stewie all season. The Mystics have Emma Miesman back, and then she's going to be gone for a little bit and then come back again. Like, you know, all these teams are going to have to kind of you know, have these fits and starts of, of just, like, the availability of their best players. And, and you know, the, Connecticut, this team to me, and why I've been so high on them, it just they just scream, we know who we are, we know exactly how we want to play, all these players fit with what we want to do. And, and I mean, you just look no further than Seattle last year. I just think that matters, that if, if you're healthy, you know what you're doing, you know who you are, I think that's just such a big advantage uh, going into the season. You know, it'll be interesting to see how fast some of the other teams do gel. You know, they get Vegas right away in the beginning of June. Both games for against Los Angeles, look, they're done with Los Angeles by June 6th. So they could conceivably, for example, miss Candace Parker for the entire season. Uh, so, you know, you never know. But you're right. There's going to be a lot of changes. I'm sorry, they do play L.A. again in August. Uh, but... There's going to be a lot of changes, a lot of teams adjusting, putting players into new positions, and the continuity the Sun has is something I know that Coach Miller is hoping will get them rolling right away. And so a big part of that, and I, I think the two, two, two of the real pillars of this team are John Quill Jones and Alyssa Thomas, not just because of what they are individually, but because of their fit, just as a two-player combination and what their skill sets do for the rest of their roster, you know, I guess, what have you kind of drawn from these two teams, that tandem, um, these last couple seasons with, you know, AT is able to slash, she's able to roll the basket, make decisions with the ball, and then JJ obviously can be the spacer that opens that up for her, but then also they're kind of, you know, seems like they're continuing to explore, okay, how much of a go- go-to player can J.J. really be? Well, by all accounts, J.J.'s come into camp in the best, sh- best shape of her career. That she just came from Russia, where she was on the same team as Brittany Griner and Vadiva and Nisa and that whole group, so she was practicing against them every day. She uh, knows the responsibilities that are ahead of her, just like she did in seventeen when Janae was out with the injury, and she is ready to roll. And, and honestly, it would not surprise me to see John Quell Jones as a candidate for most valuable player in the league this year. Uh, Alyssa Thomas, the key to everything with Alyssa Thomas is her health. Those shoulders are always seeming to be a problem. And you know when she's healthy and she's on the court, she, she's coming off a tremendous season in Europe. Yeah, she, she's just got to continue to stay healthy, and she'll also have probably a phenomenal season back with J.J. I mean, she was a clear all-star the year that those two were made the 4-5 uh, combination for the Sun. So as long as Alyssa Thomas can stay healthy, that she is the motor that makes this team go. 
but the one thing, one thing I will say that I would love to see is you brought up at the very beginning. You mentioned how Tarasi can just get herself to the line and let the air out of the game. If you watch the Sun play, it would be nice to see Alyssa Thomas get a couple of the foul calls that she deserves because I think there, she may be the most under foul called against player that I've ever seen. I mean, she just she seems she never gets to the line. Yeah, and that, and I think that and and it's a good thing to bring up because I think it is it is kind of central to the the only real questions about this team as far as I'm concerned is okay, when a game gets tight, when the other team's on a run, when a Tarasi level opponent is just is just scorching hot and you just need somebody to do something, being able to get a call and kind of settle things down and just kind of knowing like, okay, like what are we doing when it's five minutes left in a tight game, nine on the clock, and someone needs to get us something. Um, I think that's kind of the the question of the season for them. I mean, with, with Thomas, do you think there's anything to like, I mean, it's so tough to judge just looking at it because of course, you know, she isn't just going to say like, oh yeah, I'm like X happened. Like I'm not going to I'm not going to shoot for the next couple of games. Like that's not something you can admit when it's really bothering her. I mean, you know, when when it is bothering her, I mean, what what have you noticed that 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 really does to the rest of the team? Well, I think that part of the problem, you know, with her shoulders in general, it makes it difficult sometimes for her to, to either put herself in a position to get to the line or then when she does get to the line, make the foul shots. So, you know, that's, she is ambidextrous, which is one of the things that makes her so effective. But I do, in the past, as this team has been a little younger, and hopefully they overcome it this year, they have gotten frustrated. Like, you, you know, to your point, they have gotten aggravated on the court when J.J. or Alyssa Thomas in particular don't get the foul calls. I mean, A.T. has a tendency to complain, you know, when she doesn't get foul calls, and that then affects the next play and you know so on and so forth but you know the team the team has to be at a point where they've grown up some you know they got a bunch of players that are no longer just first or second year players and the we're the youngest team approach is no no longer going to be an excuse you know from Kurt to Amber Cox you know that upper management they've all said that that the excuses of work the young team are over they need to play and they need to focus on the tasks at hand yeah, and uh, and speaking of just playing and focusing on the tasks at hand, uh, let's talk about let's talk now about the Chene Gumake trade. Um, you know, it it was interesting as we as information started to come out as both camps kind of kind of placed their flags in the sand. Um, you know, I, it, I I think a lot of this also it, it kind of boils down. You know, isn't it just can we all just admit that, like, you know, Chene was in a tough spot because this team is Alyssa Thomas and John Quill Jones, and I'm not sure you're a contender with those three playing all the time together, and if they're not, then then they're not all going to have as much time as, as they probably deserve considering their, their individual statures in the league. Is that fair to say? I think it's a reasonable point, Absolutely. You know, the other one that you, that you have to include when you talk about the Gumake trade, though, is uh, almost every player on the team that I spoke to, the first thing they said when I mentioned anything about it 
was this is a great opportunity that Brianna, Brianna Jones has earned. And they all felt that she was the one that was shortchanged in the minutes and that she didn't get any opportunities last year to get consistent time. She went overseas and killed it. You know, had a tremendous year. So the hope, I guess, is that if there's a foul trouble problem with somebody like an Alyssa Thomas or a JJ, that Bree Jones will slip in there or they can go with a Tuck or somebody like that, and that will help the team more in, in more of a setting than possibly Cheney would have in that, if that makes sense. Just the way that the players have to play into different roles. You know, JJ and AT are the two leaders on that front court, and yes, there was always an issue. I, personally, what I always wish was I had seen, could have seen what would have happened with the three of them if J.J. had come in camp healthy and in good shape last year. I mean, they were behind the eight ball from the beginning and trying to make that threesome work. Yeah, and I, I think what I think what really makes it tough, though, is just you you want to really be able to play with a wide open lane if you're going to if you're going to squeeze every possible thing you can out of what Alyssa Thomas does best on offense. And I think that's such an, an important aspect to talk about in all of this because I think as I've said the only the real question facing this team is all right half court game it slows down you're facing a, an elite defense how are you going to score and you know I guess what do you make of now the options as is where so now you know Cheney is a she's a very good low post scorer I'm, you know I'm not trying to gloss over that so now they don't have that but between you know kind of playing you know the pick and roll ball moving you know, getting Alyssa Thomas slashing versus maybe trying to to work JJ in the post versus Courtney Williams, who we haven't talked about very much. Where do you kind of see that hierarchy that that they need to be figuring out? That you know, when they need someone to carry them and get a bucket, what are they turning to? Well, for the Sun, in my opinion, for the Sun to have a legit shot at getting as far as the finals, Courtney Williams has to take that next step. JJ, I'm confident will, and I think that. And I think the Sun management and coaches know what they can expect out of J.J. to a large extent because she did it in 17. Courtney has taken steps each year to improve, but she has got to make that next step. She's got to get herself to the line sometimes. She's got to continue to grow on defense. Her shot has already been looking good, but it can be more consistent too. You know, you do need to have those go-to players, as you were saying. You know, now if Alyssa Thomas is going to struggle with the foul line, and JJ maybe if she gets in foul trouble or whatever happens with her, you got to have somebody else you can count on. And working the ball inside out with a JJ and AT and kicking it out to a Courtney Williams, Courtney Williams is going to have to be huge for this team this year. She is definitely going to have to become a, a star. Yeah, and, and I think with, with Courtney that... You know, obviously what she did in the playoff game last year, you know, there, there's nothing you're going to say to knock that. She showed up. Um, she hit a lot of big shots that even just gave them a chance late. Um, and I, th- I think she's kind of on a pretty parallel track with, with Jewel Lloyd in Seattle, who's obviously going to have to really, really do a ton of heavy lifting for them to just be in the playoff conversation. But, you know, the, the you know I'm glad you mentioned the foul line for Courtney because, you know, 
look, if if somebody's saying like for her to overhaul her game and to shoot a ton of threes, no, I mean I don't think anyone any reasonable person is saying that. But there does need to be a little bit more of that balance where she is putting some more pressure on the basket and taking those and and you know taking some of those threes when she's open and when it just comes to her. Um, but you know it's yeah I mean I you know I think they're in a really good spot with her because. You know, some of these scorers that are coming into the league, Agumba Wale, Asia Durr, you know, as, as Simone Augustus kind of finishes out her career, like Courtney Williams is the new standard as like a really good mid-range scorer. Like that's the bar that those kind of players have to have to hit now. If you're going to be that kind of scorer, you have to be as efficient as Courtney Williams. Um, you know, so it sounds like you're, you're, she's kind of the player you're, um, you have your eyes on most. You know what? I do, yes. I think that I do think that she is going to be the absolute key to the team's success. JJ, her, that order, uh, probably. But you got to have that second person. You got to have that guy, that player that can hit the threes, that can make the the, the transition. You know, you got to have you got to have a guard that's going to be able to do that. Jasmine Thomas is a tremendous guard, tremendous lead guard. Has been great for the over the years and will continue to be. But Courtney's the one that's got to take the next step. Yeah, and, and and talking a little bit about the the rest of their their guards, uh, you know, I guess the the main two you mentioned Jasmine and then Shakina Strickland, you know, you know part of the Chennai stuff and when they played those huge lineups, you know, there there were a lot of strengths with those groups. Like, make no mistake, and especially late in games, you know, just putting an extra really big body on the court really shrinks the floor. But you know, Strickland's another player. Like, they just they need to have the flexibility to put her out there because I think she's kind of one of the names that's kind of unsung is really being way up there at the top as one of the best shooters in the league she's not going to break you down and shoot it in your face but when she can spurn off a screen and she can just stand you know 30 feet from the basket and someone has to guard her you know what what are you seeing from strickland and what do you where do you kind of see her place with the team this year one of the things that i really like what i've seen from shakina and talking to her at media day and all it, she seems to be the most at home and relaxed that i've seen her she spent a lot of time up in Connecticut during the winter. As much as she hated the cold and snow, she made sure she told me. <laughs> uh, but she seems really comfortable in her uniform right now, in her role. She was very much talking to the younger players, the rookies, you know, talking to Anigwe, talking to Bridget Carlton, uh, just you know, just fooling around, kidding around with them. I think that she is a she has made herself into a, a crucial part of the team in the fact that she can come in off the bench ice cold if she's been sitting for a while and make that shot. And she fits so well in the starting lineup with Thomas being able to kick out to either Courtney on one wing to, uh, to Shakina on the other wing. I mean, it, it, it's a combination that works. You know, that's, a, that's definitely a sum is greater than the parts type of lineup. Yeah, I agree 100%. And... And, you know, with Jasmine, I mean, she's just, she's a rock for them. Um, you know, just right at the top of the league as um, an all-defense all defense type player at the point of attack, which is so important. And, you know, it's the you know the book on her is, you know, she needs to make her open threes. And, and I thought she took some strides last year with her ability to get to the basket. And if she, if she can finish a few more of those, I think that'll be big for them. Uh, the, the point guard spot for them, what do you make of... Well, especially, what do you make of the the Jasmine Thomas, Lasia Clarendon lineups where we saw both of them playing together? What do you think they can get out of that combination? 
Well, I think the first thing that Laisha brings to the table that helps the Sun probably the most is the fact she's a strong, powerful guard that can allow Jasmine to either play off the ball if you want her on the court or even just get some rest because she, Jasmine does play aggressively. She does, like you said, she did take the ball to the hole a lot last year. This will give her an opportunity with Laisha there for a full season to take some of the heat off of her and some of the physicality. I mean, one of the things that I loved watching about Laisha was the fact that she is she is one of the strongest guards I've seen in the league. I mean, she just she can physically play defense. She can physically get in the lane and rebound. She she just she brings a lot of those little you know intangible type factors to the team. She she's so tough. You know, they also you know. Kurt's been very outspoken about the fact that he thinks that Bantam has become a very good lead guard, too. She just hasn't had to be here. That, you know, that he thinks that she'll be in the mix, too. That they can move Jasmine to to a, the two guard and play Bantam in if they wanted to with the one as well. In addition to the fact that, you know, she's obviously a lights-out three-point shooter. You know, and the other one, the way we haven't even talked about in the whole lineup scheme and things and coming off the bench is I can't wait to see what Bria Holmes brings for a dynamic because she, you put her and Clarendon out there together those are two really, really physical players Yeah, yeah, Holmes was a Holmes was a good um, kind of flyer for them to take to to introduce that that dynamic to them and and, and what you've said about, you know, just kind of like the physicality and the strength of, of Lasia and, and Holmes, it's it's very real because even if it's just for Chelsea Gray, like you have to have an answer, like you have to have a player that's just not going to get totally buried under the rim. You know, I was at a game in LA last year when when Lazer was still with Atlanta, and you know there were plays, and then I asked Lazer about him later. It's like you know Chelsea kind of looked like she thought she was going to knock you back, and you just kind of stayed there, and, and she kind of laughed, and it's like, yeah, you know that's that's something I really want to bring to the table, and and that's and that's really important for them. And it helps them kind of kind of mix and match, and and they can go to all these different different players. With with the roster, where do you see them at? As far as you know, how many spots do you think are really are really on the table here for these players, kind of on the fringes, trying to lock in One. a spot? One. Unfor- it's unfortunate that there is. You know that that's one of the things. You know, Kurt talked about it, and it kind of got glossed over because so many people look at Cheney and they say all you got for her was a future number one pick. But this was a team that had that came into camp with basically 11 players already locked in, assuming that you count you know, Christina Nigue as being a lock to make the team. So you know, what are you going to do? You're going to pay for somebody with a big contract in a couple of years still on it, like uh, Gentile Lavender? You know, there were other players, you know, Gray and Williams weren't signed, so they couldn't be traded. So, you know, taking that pick, sort of, it made sense when you look at who is actually on this roster. If you just look at it and say, oh, all you got was next year's number one and it's probably a pretty lousy pick. Yeah, you're right. It doesn't sound like it's the best trade. But there are some times where you got to do what you got to do because of the talent that you have there. I mean, somebody, be it a Bridget Carlton or a Natisha Heidemann, who have both looked good, is not going to make this team. 
You know, so at least one of those two, potentially both of them. So, you know, what, what are you going to do when you have that type of position? There are other squads that are nowhere that everybody is saying are the legit championship contenders, L.A., Vegas, etc., that has nowhere near the depth of this team. So I think that this is going to be uh, something we were talking about before we even came on was this is going to be a year where you're going to see what's going to win out, the strong starting five or the depth. Because the Sun may not have, you know, the superstars of an L.A., but you get down towards the bottom of the bench, you know, and you need to go 10, 11, 12 deep. I don't know if there's a team that has better players at 10, 11, and 12 than the Sun do. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, all the, all these players can play it, and, you know, Kurt Miller is in a pretty good spot to really drive the competition for minutes and really emphasize the matchups for this team because... So many of them are about to be free agents, so it's like, hey, you know, you know, who, which of you guys are really gonna are really gonna pop here to make sure that that you give us what we need? Um, you know, I, I keep joking that you know, it's like at some point, you know, the Sun need to make sure that the entire 2016 draft class plays for them because so many of them are about to be restricted free agents here. Um, right. With uh, but so with you saying that's you know, you it's kind of coming down to one spot. Uh, Bridget Carlton and Natisha Heideman, if you, you know, if you want to expand, you know, have you, have you heard very much on them? What have you seen? You know, what do you think it could kind of differentiate them as they kind of try to go for that last spot? Well, they both play a different type of game from the aspect of Carlton is a true wing, and you know, she is in the vein of the more traditional. You know, being able to, she can take it to the hole, she can shoot the three-pointer, she can defend, she can pass. She does a lot of everything. The question is, does she do anything in particular fantastic that puts her over the top? Heidemann plays with a real passion and aggressiveness. She, you know, is a, a true guard that can handle the ball and shoot the three. You know, she can be kind of, she's smaller, which is going to, as we know in the, league can make it difficult to be a point guard but you know she has impressed them with the way that she's defended and you know and she she says the right things and does the right things i asked her at media day who she wanted to play against who was she looking forward to she said and she said oh i can't imagine it being any better than playing against jasmine thomas in practice so you know she she is really feeling it and enjoying it her camp experience and you know, that's something to be said. There's something to be said for that. It'll be interesting between those two. You know, I, I have to think it's those two. I can't think that with everybody else, I think Emma Cannon's going to have a hard time breaking through and getting an opportunity uh, for that. And, you know, right before we started to record this, uh, Reagan, Reagan McGarity was let go by the Sun. So that's one less player in camp. Yeah, you know, I've, I've, uh, <laughs> I'm not going to restate my whole case on Carlton we're gonna we're gonna wait and see how that plays out obviously I was very high on her going into the draft process and you know I considered it a, a, a huge boon for her to fall that far and you know I think if if she ends up getting cut I mean I think there should be a mad scramble for people to go pick her up I mean like Indiana you know losing Vivians for the season the idea of them getting a chance to add like a skilled shooter they should just be you know begging Kurt Miller to you know just really talking her down to make sure that she ends up being available but that'll be interesting to to see that play out but the other rookie the I guess the one considered more of a lot Christina Nigue the because of the trade I mean this seems kind of like a pretty 
ideal situation for her. I mean, what do you make of, you know, she's going to kind of get to come in and, you know, it's kind of Bree Jones's time. You know, we hit on that. It seems like a pretty good, like low stress, you know, kind of find your way environment for her in year one. I, I think you're right. And I think that because of the fact that there is Bree Jones and there's Morgan Tuck and, you know, there as well that can fit into the slide into those positions. I, I think that if anybody was expecting Christine to come in and like be an immediate game changer, that's not going to happen. You know, she's going to get an opportunity to learn, play against JJ in practice, play against Alyssa Thomas in practice. You know, she she could be a, a big contributor by the end of the year, but even if you saw in the preseason games, you know, she didn't you know get that many minutes as as think people are being evaluated. I mean, she actually only played you know, five and seven minutes in the two games. So, you know, she, she's got a lot to learn, and they look forward to working with her, and they love the fact that she, you know, has a high motor and that everything that she did well in Cal, at Cal. But, you know, you know as well as anybody that this league is different when you get to the pros. And she's going to, you know, have to learn to how to play against some of these some of these other players. Yeah, I am I'm, I'm interested to see, you know, kind of the minutes – Really, really, all of the backup center minutes, and you mentioned, you know, JJ getting in foul trouble. You know, like last year, it was like you know the her, you know the the visa stuff and her getting in late. It, it was it made it all really tough on her. But it, it man, it was like the whole month of June, she was just constantly in foul trouble. And if that happens again, it'll be interesting to see if Jones really has to the games where maybe Jones really has to get stretched or with her time, or if Anigua has to come in there and like when they really need some stops. And how they do with that, um, but you know we'll see how that goes. I think you know the one player we haven't hit on a ton yet, Morgan Tuck. La- last year was kind of felt like a game changer for her. The, the the experience she racked up with the national team, and just she was healthy. And I you know I think I think last season it looked like she really found she got to a place where where she was kind of used to the best of her abilities because when she's healthy and moving well, you know she she kind of needs to be playing like a three. Not that the positions matter a ton, but, you know, just, like, she needs to be, like, running the floor well, handling a little bit, grab and go, and she needs to be comfortable to, like, really attack a closeout and, and, you know, use her, make the most of her high skill level. Um, What kind of stood out to you watching her last year? Um, You know, the the shape was she in and and how she kind of found found herself last season? Oh, she looks great. She lost uh, probably about 20 pounds again in addition to what she had lost before. Uh, she looks fantastic. I think that you are right about the fact that she she seems more comfortable with her role and, and the coaching staff feels comfortable putting her in to different places. I think that she's probably going to be penciled in for a 15 to 20 minute a night role. Uh, I would be surprised, wouldn't be surprised if it was at both the three and four at different times, depending on the lineup. I mean, that, that one of the things that is going to be very interesting for me to see is you know, everybody says, yes, Bree Jones is going to get this great opportunity, which she is. But there are some teams that, you know, don't play a, a physical five. They play a, you know, play a JJ at the five. Somebody's got to be able to be athletic and cover that. So between Tuck and and uh, Anigwe getting out, we'll get some opportunities there and you know, you'll see all different kind of lineups out of, the, out of the team this year. Kurt it gets to be a little bit of a mad scientist and, and play with different people in combos and 
see what what he's going to get out of anybody on a particular night. Yeah, I, I I think the yeah you know they can you know Tuck Tuck and Alyssa Thomas playing together you know call one the three call one the four whatever whatever but you know At being able to guard both of those positions and guard the best players at those positions makes it really easy for them to kind of get into those looks and and maybe we'll even see with you know those two at the, at the four and at the five I think. The, you know, I think I think Leja and Bria Holmes are the interesting players there as they kind of play with those combinations because if they play if they play one of those with with AT, let alone two, I think that's when it really gets interesting and maybe a little dicey to where okay, are they going to have you know it, th- that free flowing offense with you know all the all the right. screen and rolls, all the people rolling, will it be the same if they don't have that extra threat of a shooter on the floor? That. You're, you're right, Ben, and, and there is that uh, the situation there. That you got to have people that can make shots, and to that end, you're you're going to have to see people like you know Rachel Bantam, you know people you know like Bria Holmes, people like Lacia Clarendon are going to have to make shots. You know they get you, when you go to the bench, you'll notice that a lot of the things that we talked about in praising the bench were physicality and tangibles, defense, rebounding. Not shooting, so that that's where I think that there's going to have to be that step up in the offensive game on some of these players, and that's going to make a huge difference to their minutes. And to you know, Bridget Carlton could be one of those players that fits in there, and it, she could get more minutes than you know a, a standard end of the bench type of player because of the fact that she can can make that shot if she's on and can do some of those things as well. Yeah, I mean, I think. I think this is a. I think this is an ideal basketball situation for Carlton. We'll see if she ends up making it because it also happens to be one of the toughest rosters to make. But you know, I, I've I've been on more on the side that it's kind of chicken or egg when it's like, okay, is, is she really good at one thing? Well, I you know when I whereas I think the whole appeal to her is that she's pretty good at a lot of things, which which lends itself pretty well to how they play. Um, I agree. I mean, I, I was very. I I've been impressed with her as she played in college. Uh, I was impressed with her with the you know the fact that I'm one of those guys that really feels that playing with your national team makes a huge difference in your game, and I thought she made a huge jump last year after playing spending the summer with the Canadian national team, and I think that you know I think the limit is very high. The sky is the limit for her. I think she can go very high. Whether or not she can do the things that need to be done on this team with these players as teammates. That I'm not sure of yet. Yeah, so so uh, you know, let's let's kind of zoom out and and kind of kind of close on this for at the team level for Connecticut when they do get to that spot, whether you know they do lock down a double buy, whether they're in one or two single elimination games. What what kind of player? What kind of team? Maybe one specific team. You know, what do you think is really the toughest matchup for them? What 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 could possibly give them the most trouble as we kind of try to really look ahead to what what uh, what the playoffs might be? Well, and and unless Bria Jones takes a big step, like she we're counting on, like Brianna Jones does, they are definitely going to struggle with the teams with the big centers. You know, Vegas, Phoenix is you know Griner has had given the Sun trouble for years. You know. JJ has gotten stronger, but she's still lean. Alyssa Thomas is fairly small for a four, but uses more her aggressiveness and physicality to get rebounds. 
they could get themselves in some trouble on uh, rebounding. They need to get to, they need to be able to defend and rebound because they love to run and gun. So you know they're going to have to get the get the rebounds to get it started. And if they're playing against teams with big centers, you know Elizabeth Williams, Sylvia Fowles. I mean these are all teams that you know have that big center that is tough to box out and tough to work around. And the center going to have to figure out how to get by that and do that. Yeah, I, I mean, I think like if they end up playing, you know, this this iteration of Vegas now with with Liz Cambage officially in the fold, I mean, that would be the the give and take, just like from minute to minute, would be fascinating. To where you know they're gonna just you know they're gonna be able to beat everyone up on the glass, but then you know Connecticut, if they get to stop, they're gonna run you to death and they're gonna spread you out, and and it would be it would be really fun to see that contrast, especially in a series where you know it, it, is it you know. Rather than being, you know, really specific, like they need to be a top two seed or they need to win the title, you know, I, I think the kind of way to look at it for Connecticut is like, let's get to a semis, like let's get to a series, because Kurt Miller has said, like, if we get into a series, I like our chances. Is, is that kind of how you're looking at this season for Absolutely. them too? Absolutely. They've got to they've figure out how to make that next step, even if it means hitting, you know, hit, hit Tarasi in the back. I'm kidding, of course. Uh, you know, let's find a way to get by Diana, that's for sure. But then again, there's a lot of other teams over a lot of years that haven't figured out how to get by Diana. Yeah, absolutely. And, and yeah, I mean, hopefully hopefully she's back. Hopefully Angel McCautry's back as soon as possible and some of these players that we're kind of waiting on because, you know, I think, uh, I, you know, I'd be interested to get your, your kind of, your perspective on this. Um, you know, you know, I think what what made last year so special in a lot of ways was like, you know, one through, I think you can make a really long list and maybe the longest of the decade of just like how many star players were actually healthy, available, and all playing. I think that was a lot of what went into making last year so competitive. I, I think you're absolutely right, definitely. You know, to, to have the uh, the power on offense and also just the, you know, the overall game of players like, like Cam Beige, like Asia Wilson coming into the game, you know, the Stewart, of course, is phenomenal, and you know, Griner is still Griner. You know, so yeah, it's it's look. There's no question that it's going to hurt, and at least initially, the with not having the star power of you know Stewie of Tarasi, you know, uh, all of those types of players. You know, people at this point, people forget sometimes that Maya Moore isn't going to be around. You know, this season, and she's always so exciting. I, but there's a golden opportunity for players like John Quell Jones and Courtney Williams, you know, like some of the players on some of these other teams to take that next step and become that neck, that star that people want us, that people will look for in the future. You know, I think that there's a great opportunity and, and there's so much talent that, you know, I think that it should still be a fun season with a lot of great players and a lot of great games. No question. And, you know, now to, to kind of wrap it up, um, you know, David, you've been so central in this space, especially not just generally covering women's basketball, but, you know, women's basketball podcasting. Um, so I think I can speak for everybody listening that, you know, we're all happy to have you doing that again. I just want to give you a moment to tell people if they don't know what you're what you're doing now with uh, with your latest podcast. Well, thanks, Ben. That's very kind of you to say, uh, you know, I am working with the Connecticut Sun on their website. Uh we have a show every Tuesday is what our goal is going to be this year 
called the Suncast, which is going to be about the team behind the scenes. We're going to try and get a little into depth into some of the players off the court this time, get you to, you know, we started a thing with Emma Cannon last week that we called Three Minutes With, where you talk, we can just talk about social media and their lives outside, which was a lot of fun. So, you know, if you're interested in the Sun, you know, we always have new content every week. The players, the management, it's a lot of fun to do. They're a very, very fun group of people. So I'll also say if you're looking for a team to root for, you know, the Sun bandwagon is still open. Yeah, and, and now's a good time. Um, so, you know, be sure to follow along with the Suncast. You know, make sure you get that insight from them. You know, David, follow, you know, not just knowing the league at, at, at large, but, you know, obviously he knows that franchise about as well as anyone. So you're going to get, you know, you're going to get a lot of good stuff from those those sit-down interviews that he gets to have. But that uh, that about wraps it up for this Sun preview as we we're, we excitedly wait the start of the actual games to start that we can actually watch. Uh, David, thank you for joining us today. Ben, it's been my pleasure. You do a great job with this, and I really enjoy listening to them.